Uh, yeah, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Post Lunch. My name is Anthony Jen. I'm here with Kevin Hockenberry. How do you feel? Full. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but not like overly stuffed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, a, it's the best kind of full that you can be. And you know why? Why? Because we went to Cava. This is a very good place if you haven't been. Yeah, they're at... They're a national chain, I believe. What would you even call that like genre of like that style of eating? It's uh, like Greek Chipotle. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're like, put the rice in the bowl. What I appreciate about kava is it's got lots of good flavor. Um, and it's a very good post-workout, post-gym lunch. Okay. Like, so today I went super grains <clears throat> and saffron rice. All right. And you throw your chicken um, protein on top of there and... Uh, I always have her throw three scoops of black olives, um, not the, you know, the black olives. No, you did Kalamata olives. Yes. Thank you. Um, it's just a tasty lunch and it's healthy and I feel good when I leave there. I don't feel like I didn't just eat McDonald's. Right. McDonald's. That's a man. Once you like get into your thirties and you eat McDonald's, that's like, uh, you're taking minutes off your life. It's like putting, uh, 87 gasoline when your car is supposed to take 93. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yeah. You just kind of sput around until yeah. you burn Th- that off. 30s is when things change, by the way. Yeah. I'm 45 now, and I do remember getting in my 30s, and I'd eat something, and I'd be like, why do I feel so off right now? Like, like a night, like a living nightmare. That's how I feel when I eat Taco <laughs> I mean, uh, McDonald's. I almost said Taco Bell, and I don't feel that way when I eat Taco Bell because it's anointed. Taco Bell is the most bland, horrible food on the planet. I disagree with you. The only fast food place worse than Taco Bell is Burger King. That's fair, but Taco Bell is not bad. Every time I think about having Taco Bell, I remind myself, like, it's like when I quit using drugs years ago. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I can't. This is not a good decision in life, and I'm going to pay for this later. So I'm sorry that you feel that way. There's like an instant high, and then it's over, and you're like, why did I do this? Okay. (laughs) Hey, I found this cool um, news story. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen this one yet or not. I want to read this because um, I just thought that's a great story. You know how sometimes in the news, like there's just so many bad stories. Okay. This is kind of a bad story, but but a great story as well. A Georgia sheepdog is recovering at home after killing. Pause. <laughs> Anytime anything starts with sheepdog, I know you know it's about to be awesome. Yeah, because you, what do they say? You're either a dog, a sheep, or a sheepdog. Yeah. No. No, a wolf. Oh, a wolf, a sheep, or a sheepdog. Well, this sheepdog is not a sheep or a wolf or a coyote. Listen to this. <clears throat> a Georgia sheepdog is recovering at home. That's nice. After killing a pack of coyotes, a pack, a pack of coyotes that attacked his owner's flock of sheep, farmer John Weirwiller said, "We he's he's got one of those last names that could be pronounced like ten different ways." Okay, Weirwiller, Casper, um, a twenty-month-old Great Pyrenees. Did I say that? Now, why do they? Once you're over a year, why do they use months still? That is interesting for dogs. I, I can't remember months. how many years my dog is. And what, is, what do months equate into dog years? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so this dog's like two and a half years old or something. That is interesting. 20 month. Yes, he was born in November. Uh, yeah, whatever. He's a 20 month year old. 20 month year old. Great Pyrenees from Decatur. Okay. Fought off a pack of coyotes who were threatening John Weirwiller's sheep farm, he said. The fight lasted. Listen to this. Oh, my gosh. The fight lasted longer than half an hour. Wow. This makes me think of like Mufasa battling like what are those laughing hyenas? Dude, half hour? Longer than half an hour. Left eight coyotes dead. Eight? I was gonna ask you what constitutes a pack. Like, is it three? Like, well, we're gonna get yeah. to that. There's actually eleven, but I think I'm giving away some of the stories. Oh my eleven. Gosh. He killed eight out of eleven. A half hour, bro. <laughs> and bloodied Casper with skin and part of his tail torn off. Weirwiller told Atlanta's WAGATV. He scampered off. This this story gets good. He scampered off but returned injured two days later <laughs> after Weirwiller put out a call on social media. He was kind of looking at me like, boss, stop looking at how bad I look and just take care of me, Weirwiller said. In a Facebook post, you don't use that, so you wouldn't have seen this. Um, <laughs> Weirwiller said that emergency vets were able to close up Casper's neck wound. That's good. This is really great. 
Uh, this is a quote here. This is really great because it's so much easier to control infection when the wound is not open. And if all goes well, he will not need um, skin grafts in that area. So this dog's something. a hero. Dude. It is. Um, it really is a remarkable bit of news, and we are all celebrating. Casper was taken to the Lifeline Animal Clinic to be treated for uh, his injuries. In Weirwill's most recent update, you got an update here, on Casper's condition, he said that Casper is still recovering and is beginning to act like himself again. He's a little tentative about everything right now, but he let loose on the ride and barked at just about everything outside the truck and even tried to wag his tail stump. Oh. Yeah, he doesn't need that anymore. Tail's gone, bro. He's got a stump. I got a picture I can show you later. Of this dog? Yeah. Imagine that dog like going for a walk in, in town. His head's right. up high. Bro. He's telling all the other dogs, you guys like you guys talk about right. protecting. Right. I beat a gang of freaking coyotes. He killed him. Then he looked over for positive reinforcement. He craves. He got it this time, even though we usually don't encourage barking in cars. He was clearly feeling a little feisty. Hopefully, everything continues to go well. So there's a dog, a sheepdog, that killed eight of 11 coyotes that were attacking the herd. He's got the taste of blood in his mouth. He didn't stop. And the, here's the other thing, too. Like, if you're one of the coyotes in that pack, and he's killed two of your people, like two of your boys are dead, at some point in time, don't you be like, I'm good. I get it. Right. Yeah. Today... We're going to transition into something different. Okay. The last couple shows, we've talked about random things like cheap dogs and whatnot. Um, but today we thought, let's let's talk about something a little bit more, has a more depth to it. Not that the other stuff is not depthy. No, not at all. But this is weighty. Weighty. <laughs> um, we're calling this one The Dad Show. Okay. Both of us are dads, right? We are. Um, and you have three beautiful girls. I have. I have two beautiful girls and an ugly son. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My son will listen to this. He's going to be mad. He's going to be punching me. Um, no, no. I have two beautiful girls and an awesome, awesome boy. I love I love all three of my kids so much. Um, but what's interesting is our journeys um, to fatherhood, and well, when we were younger, I should say, are somewhat similar in that neither of us had a, a real father figure to look towards. Right. Um, so I thought it'd be kind of cool to like maybe get into that, like hear your story, kind of how you came up a little bit um, without a father. Mm -hmm. And then I'd share some of that, um, my story as well. And then we'll get into maybe some things. How, how did that affect us in our lives? How did that affect us in our parenting today? And and maybe even give a, a dad tip or two towards the end of this thing. So okay. I'll let you start off. Okay. So yeah, I am. A, I just turned 34 okay. in November. Okay. And um, my dad walked out on our family when I was uh it was it was me and my sister this was his second marriage so there was two girls before my sister and I okay and my sister and me mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh so I, I I think I was three and my sister was four that number could be plus one or minus one I think and growing up I just I never understood like the whole story, you know? And as I got older, my mom started to tell us more, you know what I mean? And um, my dad was abusive to my mom verbally and physically, and um, he was not faithful. So it, I'm glad that it happened the way it did. Right. Um, <clears throat> and growing up, I, I definitely grew up angry, you know, like, cause I, I would see other kids like, out with their dad and doing yeah. stuff and parent like uh, children with both parents usually do better in life and they have more things. And so I was, I was, uh, we, we grew up kind of poor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was, it was rough. It was rough. I was, I was definitely bitter for a good portion of my life. Right. Yeah. I mean, God designed, us to have both a mother and a father figure in our lives. Yes. And unfortunately, this is not a perfect world we live in. So sometimes that that doesn't always play out. Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, you phrased it. He walked out on us. Instead of saying he left. Or just, you know, decided this wasn't a good fit for him anymore. You know, the, the, the phrase he walked out on us says something. Yeah. I mean, I 
for me, I definitely felt abandoned, you mm. know, or like forgotten or not good enough. I mean, like if you, the idea, like me being a dad now, the idea of doing that is like, right. you have got to be a piece of garbage to, right. <laughs> like I see my three daughters and it's like, there's no way in heaven that I would ever do that. Right. Or hell. Or hell. Right. There's just no way that I would do that. And so there's a level of like, wow, you are, you are very selfish and, um, and, and you're not aware of, uh, I guess, the impact that you're making. Maybe in the moment, maybe he's unhappy with my mom. Right. Fine. But like, dude, there was no phone calls growing up. There was no child support. There was nothing. It was just like absolutely fatherless. Right. And the dude, that was, it was, that was rough. You uh, said something earlier about, um, if I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but something <clears throat> along the lines of feeling like some kind of responsibility. Like as a kid, do you feel like you said, oh, you said I wasn't good enough. Like at three, no one's good or bad enough. You're a three-year-old. Right. You know, you're not 15. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if it's uh, because we're men, right? So there's a level of like, I don't know if what the word would be, but like validity that mm -hmm. you receive from another man. Right. Or like a, I don't know. I, dude, I read a lot of books this year about becoming a man and manhood and all this stuff. And like, in a lot of ways, I feel like um, I wasn't able to be a boy. Like, I missed my like seasons, if that makes sense. Because my dad wasn't around, I feel like I had to grow up faster. Okay. And I feel like there, I was becoming, in this book I read, there's like, there's these like different seasons and it's called like boyhood, the cowboy, okay. warrior, lover, <clears throat> king. Mm -hmm. And a lot of ways I was becoming a king way before my time, Okay. which is not healthy. Like right. there's certain marks that you need as a man to like, that you enter and it's a sequential thing. And I, and I feel like because my dad wasn't around and because I felt like inferior and stuff, I had to overcompensate in other areas of my life where there's like this overconfidence or this, like I work really hard to perform a certain way because I never wanted to seem weak. Right. Or like, yeah, you're not, you're not taught things that your father should be teaching you. Right. So even like, even when it comes to like sex, right. You're right. Just, what wherever you can learn like your neighborhood friends pornography whatever right. it is that can it's a mess dude it's a mess yeah you know and and, <clears throat> and you know your mom bless her heart i mean she's she can only do so much because that's not her role and i right. i have found though that like and i'll get into my story a little bit i have found though that god can give grace you know to a mom and to a woman and and help supplement some of those things yeah um but at the end of the day you know a, a boy needs his dad for sure and I see that with my son. And, we'll, we'll, and, and I think a, a daughter needs their dad even more, probably. Probably even more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with that. I don't know if that's accurate, but I agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah, my story is is similar yet, yet quite different. Um, I never felt, you know, abandoned um, by my dad um, because he passed away when I was six years old. Mm. Um, he got sick one day. Went to the doctor, went to the hospital, was on his deathbed in no time. I think it was within three months. Wow. He passed away of pancreatic cancer. This is back in the early 80s, and there was just, there was no cure, no help. Right. Um, this day and age, they've gotten better with pancreatic cancer, but it's... That's still pretty much a death wish. It's still, yeah, it's not good at all. Yeah. Um, and so, at six years old, you know, we were living in Philadelphia. Uh, my mom couldn't get out of Philadelphia fast enough. We moved to South Florida. So now there's this big move in the midst of everything. So not only did I lose my dad, but I lost my neighborhood, my neighborhood friends, any right. little thing I knew. Now I was sick. So it's not like I had these deep roots planted down, but, but you, you know, felt displaced. Yeah. And I had this um, really, really strong <laughs> Northeast Philadelphia accent, you know, and I, when I was that age and I, I moved into this Christian school and I, I went there for a season and um, for four years, but um, yeah, I mean, when there's not men around in your life, a man that's that's loving and kind and gracious and, you know, mentoring and all that stuff, you know, like shaving. I, had, I taught myself how to shave, you know. Right. I learned how to shave at my mom's work with this guy 
that worked there. And yeah. he's like, just, you know, just be easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is my story, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So all that stuff. I mean, for me, looking a man in his eye, shaking right. his hand, you know, for years, I always like would look away as I'm shaking somebody's hand and kind of look down. And um, so, so it's a lot of that stuff. Um, for us, we grew up poor as well. At least I did. I, we didn't have health insurance. I mean, I wasn't as poor as other people. I did have a Nintendo <laughs> when I was a kid, which was nice. Um, but we didn't always have health insurance. I mean, dude, like I couldn't play on sports teams because I didn't have health insurance. Right. You know? I mean, there was things like that that existed. We moved to Sunrise, Florida, and I had a lot of uh, friends out there that I met. And they always had $20 bills in their pocket that mom and dad gave them. And, and I just didn't. Um, I think the other thing that affected both you and I, we've talked about this, like I was working as yeah. early as I possibly yes. could. I mean, when I was, when I was eight, I grabbed a bucket and a sponge and some, some Dawn dish detergent and <laughs> went door to door, um, asking people if they need their car washed. I'll do it for five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. So as early as I can remember, I was out hustling, trying to make money because if I didn't, I didn't have money. Right. So I think that, that was helpful. Yeah. I think you know, all things considered, I think there's like, you know how God uses all things for good, mm -hmm. even though it sucks sometimes. But like, I think you and I have a pretty good work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, we know what it means to work hard. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like if both of us lost our job, we would have jobs tomorrow mm -hmm. because we know what, it, what it's like to, yeah. to not have, you know, and so... Dude, if I have to dig ditches tomorrow, like I would do that for my family. Right. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so. You said you grew up kind of angry and bitter. Did you, do you think you were ever a victim? I don't know. I Like, I don't know if I, if I even had the like knowledge to attach those two things. I'm sure that was, that, I mean, that may have been the root. I, I was just like. I was just angry. I don't know why. I, I think I was angry because like my mom never, she never got remarried or anything. Mm -hmm. I was angry that we were always poor. <clears throat> I was mad that, um, that like I would see my friends hanging out with their dads. It's like, dude, that, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, and yeah, I was just, I was just angry, you know, like, and my mom did her best. She would like sign me up for all the sports right. and like we would go to air shows and she would take me to like monster truck stuff. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you didn't grow up in the church, so I don't know what it was like on your end when it comes to this stuff, but the church always had like, you know, father-son campouts and all this stuff, and I always was the kid that was like the third wheel. Mm. You know, some dad and his son would be like, all right, Kevin, you know, you come with us, man. I'm going to be your dad for the weekend type thing. God. <laughs> they meant very well, yeah. and I'm glad, you know, because that was the other thing too. I did have some some men in my life that kind of, help me out here and there. But I think also because I was fatherless, I was not a well-behaved kid. I mean, mm -hmm. I was a problem. I mean, from the time I arrived somewhere, I'm trying to like mack on the nearest girl, <laughs> right? I'm right. I'm doing something. I'm 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 playing pranks on other kids or I was out of control. I really was. Cuz you were starving for attention or Yeah, who knows? Whatever. I'm probably never maybe I need to spend some time with my wife. She's good at helping me understand things. <laughs> Um, I don't know why I just acted out. I was always acting out. I was always doing the wrong thing. If there were two ch two decisions to be made, one was a good one, one was a bad one. I felt like I chose the bad one hmm. most of the time. Although I felt like I was a good person, I just couldn't get out of my own way. Yeah. Um, but asking about the victim thing, I remember when I was in middle school, I was in sixth or seventh grade, and uh, <laughs> I was at Sunrise Middle School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I got into a fight with this kid. And so we were both sent to the principal's office and... I walked in the principal's office and it was just me and the principal. And um, he asked me some things and I just said, well, I don't have a dad. You know, my dad died, you know, something like that. Mm. And the principal said, oh, yeah, me too. But I didn't allow that to um, keep me from achieving great things in life, like sitting in a great chair behind a great desk like this. Like I'm a principal. I've worked hard to get where I'm at. And if I would have used my father's death, um, I wouldn't be here. Mm. Now. You know, if I use that as an excuse. Yeah. And then he took the paddle off the wall and I got paddled Sheesh. in a public school. I still think I was the last one to ever get paddled. Like, <laughs> like in a Broward in County history. school system. Right. right, in a public school. Because like, that you don't, like, I tell people that and it's so foreign to them. I got paddled. I'll bend over and dude whacked me a few times. Dang. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I never, 
I didn't ever do that. I never played the victim like that. Mm. Just in my mind, I knew that there was that there was I w- there was a deficiency or, or or a lack. I remember this one time. This is more recent than not. I uh, I did this. I shot a video for a sheriff. Yes. In Virginia, um, this this guy was running um, for office again, Sheriff Bob Mosier. He won. And he won because mm-hmm. of the video I made. <laughs> no, this guy is a, a solid man of God. Yes, he is. And I, and I have nothing but great stuff to say about him and his family. There's just it incredible. Right. And so I shot this video for him. And um, I had this was like day two of shooting. And I, and I had to go to the sheriff's office. And we shot some stuff around. And we went to like the jail. And he showed me some stuff around. And when we were finishing, he brought me into his office. He sat down behind his awesome desk and there's all these like medals and plaques and accolades that this man has like achieved over the course of his life. And I'm just like, it was so cool to be in there. Just like the coolest thing ever. And um, he said, Hey, Anthony, do you want to sit at my desk? Hmm. And I was like, as a matter of fact, I do. (laughs) So he got up and he let me sit at, at his desk, the sheriff of of Fauquier County, which was a huge County. Did you put your feet on his desk? I did not. I was very respectful. <laughs> I respect this man. And um, and I was just I was just floored by his his generosity to let me do that. Like I just felt like that was so nice. It, it, you've told me this story before, and I always thought it was kind of an odd ask. Yeah. Okay. So there he he did ask me about my like my childhood and stuff like that. We went uh... to lunch, and he asked me. He's like, "Man, like you seem to work hard. You have a good hustle about you." And he's like tell me about your story. And I told him all everything. I was like, yeah, I grew up without a dad and my mom did her best and all this stuff. And he was just so impressed mm. of, of the man I had become. Yeah. Given the circumstances. Right? right. And I guess when you're in that like lifestyle, you don't understand the like, whatever the, you know, you're, you're, you're growing up with a deficiency or a lack. I, I didn't really understand that. Right. Other people had it way, way better than us. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so uh, I guess for him, he's like, hey, why sit at my desk? I was like, okay, cool. This is great. So I finished the video. And when I was leaving, I said, hey, um, Mr. Mosier, Sheriff Bob, I forgot what I called him. It was very respectful, though. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, man, it's just thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege to serve you and this county. And he goes to shake my hand. And inside of his hand was a challenge coin. Mm. And you only get a challenge coin. From my understanding, it's like a military thing. You only get that for doing like a very specialized task, right? Or um, serving a certain amount of time. It's yeah. like it's like a really it's a mark of a man, right? And he puts this coin in my hand. And I just start to cry. Mm. <laughs> like to this day, I have the coin. It's in my house. I have this like wall of like, knickknacks, and there's my right this this challenge coin. And and I just thought, man, like it was great to shoot this video and make a little bit of side money, but like the impact that this dude made in my life in an afternoon was like life-changing for me to some degree. Yeah. I, I know Bob Moser. He, he in fact is, a, is an incredible, incredible man. And I would love to hear his perspective. It'd be great if he was here and be like, so Bob, why did you let him sit at your desk? And yeah. why'd you give him a challenge? But I guarantee he would say he felt the spirit of God tell him to do so. It was so timely. Guarantee. I, I needed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so question, and, and I, I'll ask it, I, I can I can start it, um, but, you know, how has all of this affected us in raising our kids? You know, I think that's that's the question, because for, for you know, for growing up without a father and then all of a sudden you have kids, it's it's interesting, you know, and I know some people who had horrible fathers. Right, you would have been better off not having a dad. I've had people, right. yeah, say, dude, you're better off not having a dad than having the dad that I had. Right. Um, but my story is a little bit more complicated in that when I got married, we got married young. We were in our, we were in our 20s. I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Stacey was 19. I think I was 22. Um, we said, well, we're not going to have kids right away, you know, like a lot of married couples do. Give ourselves some time. And then we found out Stacy couldn't have kids. Mm. So then there were almost 10 years went by of me not having my own child. 
So talk about like wrestling with God on some things. Like yeah. I finally got to a point where I'm like, all right, I get it. I didn't need a dad. Like you were there for me. You were my father. And now I can't have my own kids. Like the worst day on the calendar for me forever mm-hmm. was Father's Day. It was horrible. So I know what you're saying. When you said I, I saw other kids with their dads, like I know exactly how you feel. But now when I see other kids with their dads, I'm not having the perspective of the child to the dad. Now I'm having the perspective of the dad to the child. Right. Like that must be nice having a, a son to throw a baseball around with, mm-hmm. you know? And so my my uh, my life got really complex in my, in my 20s into my 30s, you know, not being able to, to have kids. But when I finally did, man, um, yeah. For me, it, it has made me... Because of the difference between the way our fathers weren't around. Like, mm-hmm. yours walked out, mine passed away. For sure. So, for me, it's like, I don't know how much time I have with my kids. My dad was sick one day, and three mm-hmm. months later, he was dead. So, you carry that. Yeah. So, for me, a lot of times, it's like, as long as I'm here. And I find myself using that verbiage with my kids sometimes. Hey, I, I love you more than anything you'll ever know. And as long as I'm here, wow, this is what I'm going to do. Right? Um Sometimes, Joe, you'll ask me a question about baseball or something. I say, buddy, as long as I'm here, I'm, this is what I'm doing. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's an interesting perspective, I guess. What about you? Yeah, I, I remember when I was getting married also. Um, I feel like your dad's supposed to be in the room with you, right? When you're getting getting ready and... You put your tie on and all that stuff. That's and, how it happens in the movies. <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened. That, and that's how what, what my expectation was. Right. You know? And <clears throat> you actually married Elizabeth and I. Yes. May 7th. Close. What is it? May 18th, 2000. No. Wait. It was, it was the 7th. May. No. <laughs> we got married in 2013. May 18th. May 18th. It wasn't 7th. No, not at all. And you made me stumble. <laughs> but I remember uh, you pulled me aside. We we got married at the uh, the inn at Vent Hill. And there was this like atrium area. That's beautiful. That's a great place to get married. It was so pretty. You pulled me aside and you said, I'm going to take off my pastoral hat. And you said, I'm going to put my dad hat on. Yeah. And bro, that, that few minutes that we had there just messed me up. Yeah. Dude. And you hugged me. And you told me how proud of me you were. Yeah. And then you encouraged me. You said, you got this. You're going to be a great husband, a great father. Yeah. And, um, man, those words, like, I, that affirmation was so important for me in that moment. Right. And I feel like <laughs> I had started crying there. And then, then my eyes were, I just cried the rest of my wedding. <laughs> I don't think my eyes ever, right. I don't think I ever dried up. You can even see in my wedding pictures. I just, my yeah. eyes are all bloodshot because I, I wept the entire day. I didn't, I didn't think for whatever reason, I thought like, I just growing up, I always wanted to be a dad. I remember being like in middle school and high school, like when I grew up, I just want to be a dad. I want right. to have a family. Do I, thing right. I so wanted that, you know? And, right. and I always wondered like, man, will I ever get married? Will I ever have, will I ever have kids? And it was all just happening. And I was like, wow, God, like you have a plan for me yeah. and, and you're with me. And, um, yeah, I, I and I, having daughters, you know, I, I read this other book this year called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters that really, bro, you, you guys, if you're looking for something to read and you're a dad with daughters, read this book. Um, it's, it's so eye opening, but, um, yeah, I find myself with my girls, like, it's so important, the, the words that we speak over our children, you know, it's so important. Um, the time that we take to, be into what they're into and listen with them and yeah and absolutely it's, it's hard be, being a dad is hard but it's so fulfilling and i, I just i've i don't i i just i to this day i just can't imagine leaving them you know what i mean and i and i and i and my daughter's penny is my oldest one she's seven and almost all of her friends in her class their parents are divorced and my kids have told me the same thing about yeah. Like marriage is this optional thing for so many people. Yeah. And and I'm, she's like, are you and mommy going to get divorced? It's like, I hope to God, no. Like right. mommy and daddy are working hard to to love one another, to love you, to to spend time to make sure that our relationship is healthy and strong, um, which is, I mean, being married. You guys have been married almost 20 years. 
is it 20? 21. 21. And, and you have said that how, how hard it's been and all that stuff, but to survive that long being married is full of compromise. There's give and take on both sides of everything. Right. And, um, well, there's, there's, um, it's more than compromise. It's, you love her 100% and she loves you 100%. It's yeah, but there's a selflessness that, yeah. that has to be present. And that's, it's taken me about 21 years of marriage to realize. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, but you know, it is, there's a selflessness there that has to kick in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do your kids make you angry? Never. That's the sound of a liar. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love my kids, man. I, I really do. I was, I was talking with someone this morning. I was having um, coffee with a young man who's not married and I uh, got, got those aspirations on his mind. He's got a girl that he's into and, um, and he has had some issues with his dad. Um, and we talked a little bit and, and I told him, I said, man, there's, you know, I love my son like to death. I'd give my life for my son. I've coached every team he's been on. Like mm-hmm. I love to be around him. I love this kid. Um, but he's been difficult at times, you know, Stacy, my wife and I are both very strong willed people, mm-hmm. very confident people. Right. And so we created three people like us. Yeah, very strong. Which is a pain. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, can we just have one kid that's just easy going and just, you know, <laughs> okay. along for the ride, you yeah. know? But we have three kids that just have their own opinions, are very vocal about their own opinions. And, um, and uh, you know, my son is, has, he's, I love him, man. He's seven years old now. And, um, but there's been times where like, I just, I feel uh, like I'm not, good enough to be his dad at times mm. why do you why do you feel well that way? because i feel like sometimes his behavior just doesn't change mm. and it's like okay i've tried everything i've tried this i've tried that i've tried i've tried everything i've read the books like he's he's not changing and i'm gonna and i thought about this and i, I wanted to hear your perspective on this because after everything you just shared uh bill burr does a thing i think it was bill burr that talked about you should never ever ever hit a woman as a man but to say there's no reason to <laughs> is a lie. Like there's a reason. There's a right. reason that man, you know, might have hit a woman. It's wrong. Go to prison, the whole thing. But to say there's no reason. Um, and there's been times where it's been so difficult uh, with with Joseph in, in particular um, that I at least understood the reason why a man would leave his family. Hmm. Now, let me finish. A lot of guys leave because they can't stop drinking, they can't stop partying, they can't stop womanizing. I'm not talking about guys like that. But I mean, there are there are men that I feel like, man, they've been all in, they've been all in with their family. And they get to a point where they think that everything I've tried to do has been a failure. So would my son be better off without me? Wow. Now, again, that's not biblical. I'm not condoning that in any way, shape or form. But it's that that's wrong. But part of me got to the point where it's like, I understand this now. You know what I mean? That someone would throw the like towel in. I, I, I'm not, again, this is not fight. Get up, right? That I yeah. would any man that ever even had that thought. Get up, fight. You know, if you need to go, get away for a weekend. Take your Bible with you. Get out of town. You know, get with a couple of friends. You know, you know, get refreshed. I think sometimes that's the thing too. We're living in this constant, dependent on our situations, constant fire of. Um, there's always something going on. I got to provide for my family. I got to discipline my kids. I got to love my wife. I got to pay the bill, you know, all this stuff. Um, but I, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? It's wrong, but I, I there's a reason. Mm. I think, why? Um, and again, don't do it. But it's, again, I think there's that. Because there's been, but I'll be honest with you, man. There's been times where I'm just like, I don't know what else to do with my son. Am I the problem? Mm. And I, and I wrestle with that. I deal with that. And I work on it, you know. Right. I, I mean, there's always two people involved, right? When, 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 a rela- when a relationship is struggling, even if one of them is seven and one is 45. Right. I don't know. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like, I guess, let's just call that thought process like weak. Mm-hmm. Do you feel weak when you are fatigued and when you are stressed out? Oh, yeah. you are. So like if... If the best Kevin shows up that day, is he is he having that thought of throwing in the towel? No, no, I'm planning a church, right. <laughs> which is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Right. 
this is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this kind of thought, um, you, you don't golf, right? Never really played golf much. No, I have a funny story about golf, but we can talk we'll, about that. We'll another do that time. another day. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, when you first start playing golf, golf's the hardest sport there is, you know, of course, some hockey players next to me might disagree, but the reason why people say golf is the hardest sport is because it's just you, right? There's no second baseman or quarterback or, or, or goalie There's to, no blame. to blame. No, yeah. it's just you. So you, you, you hit that ball and it goes to the right when it's supposed to go to the left. That's on you. That's totally on you. Someone's calling a guaranteed spam. We get another call. Let's pick it up Wait, and hang no, this up. Looks real. Oh, let's take this call. Authentic church headquarters. Credit cards. Wow. But I remember when I first started playing golf, I would go out there and I was horrible. And I'm trying to put the ball right down the fairway and I'm putting it into the spinach. You know, I want to put it right down the fairway and I'm hitting it into someone's backyard, like hitting their dog or something with my golf ball, constantly looking for my ball, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I swung, I felt like saying, did anybody see it? Anybody got it? <laughs> right. You know, because that's kind of what you say when you lose the ball, you know? And and um, But every time I went, there was always one shot, bro. Like, whether it was like right off the fairway, boom, loft that ball, drop it 10 feet from the cup. You feel like Tiger Woods, man, just for a right. moment, right? And it was that, I used to call it the Tiger Woods moment. And that was the moment that said, this is why it's worth it. Right. I'm going to come back. I'm I'll, golfing again. I'll play again. Through 10 holes, <clears throat> I'm upset. I'm, I'm using words no pastor should ever use. Uh, I'm, this is this sport is too hard for me. What am I doing? I could be at home. I could be fishing. Right. Like if I catch something, I can eat it later, you know? Um, and then that one shot. And it's just like, boom. And it's like, yeah. all right. It carries you through. And the funny thing is you go home. And for the most part, I'm not talking about the miserable day I had. I'm talking about how, oh, this one shot, man. I broke out my two iron. Nobody uses a two iron, but I said, give me the two iron. And I hit this ball perfect, you know, 120 right. yards, man, dropped it 10 feet from the cup. Um, and I think um, I think with parenting, when it, when it's hard, when you have those seasons, because there's seasons, right? That's the other thing too. Right. Sometimes it's a lot easier and sometimes it gets more difficult depending on what the family's going through. Um, there's those moments mm. that I liken to that golf moment, you know? Uh, this morning, I'm lying in bed, and my son woke up before me, and he he had gotten into the bed with us at some point in time in the night, and he's just rubbing, you know, oh. my shoulder, rubbing my back, and he says, I love you, Daddy. You know, and it's like... Worth it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and maybe yesterday we had our ups and downs, but it, it's it's more than worth it. It's, it's this is why I do it. Yeah. You know, because I believe in this kid. Mm. I believe in him so much, and I'm going to do everything I can to give him what I didn't have. And I look at myself and I've always considered myself a fairly gifted, talented person. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I just mean like, there's just, I can naturally pick up some things. I'm halfway decent at some things. Um, But I quit every sport by the time I was like 11. I was the best kid or second best player on every team I was ever on, baseball, soccer, you name it. but it got to the point where once I got hard, I didn't have that dad coming behind me and holding me and saying, you got this son. Right. You know, making that transition from coach pitching to kid pitching in baseball was just, I didn't have the encouragement, you know? And so for me, I want to, uh, I want to be that for my kid. Right. When it gets hard, you know, daddy's got you. Mm. And as he gets older, I want him to look out in the stands and find me. Right. Yeah. So I have, uh, like we said, I have three daughters. My youngest just turned one, and then I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And uh, all of them are a lot like your children, <laughs> strong-willed. I can speak definitely for the two older ones. Cece's no, really, Cece, really cute. No, Cece's super cute, but there's there's a fire in her belly. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, I'm really working on being gentle and kind. Yeah. Um, not to be hot-headed. Right. And I, I find that my oldest, she tends to to get hot quick. And there the my gut reaction is to get hot and match that energy. And I know that she doesn't know how to regulate by herself yet. So she needs she needs help self-regulating, right? So in those moments when she's getting heated, uh I I remind myself that she needs to borrow my peace. She needs to borrow my 
all these things that I can offer her, right? There are times where I just, she'll be writhing and I'll just pick her up. She's, she's tall. She's a seven-year-old that's tall. And I pick her up and she wraps her little legs around me and I just hold her and, and she's like, put me down. And then she just, she takes that breath, you know what I mean? And, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I look forward to spending time with my kids and, and, um, and there are times where they're like, come on, dad, let's go jump on the trampoline. And I'm freaking smoked from working and doing all this stuff. And there aren't going to be, those requests aren't going to be there forever. At some point they're going to, they don't want me to jump on the trampoline and hold hands and go for a walk through the neighborhood. So I get my fat butt up on that trampoline and I jump and I smile and we laugh and it's, it's a good time. And, um, I really, I really enjoy cooking. We've talked about this. You like to cook. I like to cook. It's one of the reasons why we're called post lunch. Yeah. Problems with food. We love to eat. One of the reasons why you're fat. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) We love to eat. And, uh, we're not actually fat. No, I don't think so. So, um, but, but when I cook in the kitchen, my daughters, um, they just, daddy, can I cook with you? And sometimes there's room for two, but a lot of times it's one. So first come first served. And right. They have a little apron they put on a little chef hat. And, and when we're in the kitchen, I call them chef and they call me chef and it's great. And it's a sign uh, of respect. It's a sign of respect. I said, Hey, Ava, why do you call me chef? She said, well, chef, um, it's a sign of respect. <laughs> I'm not lying. To That's you. awesome. And so when I ask for something or she asks for something, either of them, Penny or Ava, they, they respond with chef and thank you, chef. Yes, chef. I got it, chef. And it's great, dude. I, um, I wouldn't trade my life for anything. Being a dad to my daughters, being in the, the, on the journey that I'm on, it's completely fulfilling for me. It's challenging beyond measure. I think I'm a better man today than I was yesterday because of my children, because of my wife, because of my church. Um, and, and I, and I, I truly enjoy, I enjoy our, our relationship. I've known you for a, a, probably my entire adulthood. You've been in my life and that scripture that talks about, um, iron sharpens iron. I really believe that, um, you have sharpened me over the years. I think over the years I have, I have watched other men um and taken note on how they parent and how they are husbands and how they lead and and i have positioned myself close to them so i can learn from them there's men in my life brandon west gary west the father of brandon west um steve walters there's just these 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 men in my life that i just i'm i completely um matt kitchen just just these guys in my life that I'm, I'm just so thankful. Scott lied. So thankful for these men in my life that God placed to help me learn to be a better man, to be a better dad, to be a better husband. And honestly, I would not be where I'm at today without this, you know, takes a village, right? There's this tribe of men that have either directly or indirectly helped me become a, a better man of God, a better father, a better husband. So so for the guy that's listening right now, who's a dad and feels inadequate, you know, what is, what is something that we can leave him with? Dude, don't give up. If you suck as a dad right now, like this is the last day of you sucking, like be better. You're going to be better tomorrow. Or, I mean, the reality is you probably don't suck. You probably don't suck. True. <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. right, we're our own harshest critics. Absolutely. You know? And so I think so often... I'll beat myself up for something that nobody else is beating me up for. You know what? And for the women who are listening to this, you know, wives, girlfriends, sisters, um, tell your dad, hey, dad, thank you. Yeah. Encourage that man that's in your life and say, hey, I see you. You're doing great. I see the growth in you. Yeah. When they do something that's that seems whatever, um, for you to notice that is that's remarkable to them. Yeah. And so affirming them and saying, man, I, I really respect you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you. Those types of things. Um, there have been times where my wife will look at me and she just has this like nod towards me. And that approval is sometimes what carries me through that next situation. Yeah. My kids are yelling at me or screaming at me or, or after we get out of a heated moment, my wife would say, man, you really handled yourself 
Like, right. That was very gentle. What you did, you were so patient with them. I can't believe how you'd lifted them up when they were tearing you down. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so when, she, when she says those things to me, it's just like, Oh man, thank you for noticing. And thank you for encouraging me through because tomorrow might be harder. You know what I mean? Like, right. And you remember like, ah, I'm, I'm not so bad. It's crazy how becoming a dad, um, gives you a different perspective mm. on things, you know? So when I was 18, you know, when I was a teenager or whatever, um, I didn't care about girls' dads. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I whatever, let's go get pizza. Right, let's right. go do something. Let's go out, let's go have fun, let's go party, whatever. Right. Um, and even when Stacy and I started dating, I liked her family. They were they were good people. Um, um, I've now grown to realize they're awesome people. Like, man, I've got awesome in-laws. Right. Like, dude, God gave me just some of the best in-laws there are, and I love my in-laws. Um, but when I was dating Stacy, and even when, when we got married and for the first 10 years of marriage, we couldn't mm. have kids, you know? Um, so that was 11, 12 years, um, that I didn't fully appreciate her relationship with her dad. Mm. And I think there were things I, I probably could have handled situations better, you know? Um, but once we had kids and we had my daughter, Julia, she was the first one. Uh, Julia talks in her sleep sometimes. Okay. Still to this day. And when she was a little girl one time, I remember she was, um, she snuck into our bed and was sleeping with us, me and Stacy. And uh, she was probably four years old or something. It was Stacy that said, because Stacy still talks in her sleep. Okay. So Stacy and Julie, my two kids, I talk to kids, <laughs> two family members that. Right. And so Stacy said, um, uh, Daddy, Daddy, something, something. And I, I called her dad the next day and I said, I, I hope my daughter is still calling my name years later. Wow. I hope that's the type of influence wow. I have wow. on, on, on my daughter. Wow. And I said, because that's the type of influence and love, you know, she has for you. Dang. And that's 15 years into marriage. Or wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Well, this has been a good talk. I feel like we could go on for hours more about this just because it's such a, a yeah. part of who we are. But um, did have a couple final thoughts I thought we could end on. Um, I uh, was shocked uh, to learn that 34 years old, you had never had eggnog before. Never. So like tis the season, it's Christmas. I mean, few things scream it's it's Christmas time more than a glass of eggnog. Yes. And uh, you said you'd never had it. And you said it's just sounded and looked disgusting. Absolutely. So I was told that last week. Yeah, or two weeks ago, my neighbor was outside, mm -hmm. and he had this glass. I said, hey, what are you drinking there? He's like, eggnog. I was like, disgusting, bro. He's like, what? Are something the matter with you? Right, right. <laughs> I was like, bro, I've never had it. He's like, wait a second. So he went inside. Right. This is non-alcoholic, by the way. Went inside, poured me a glass. He's like, you're drinking eggnog right now. And I was like, oh, okay. It comes out ice cold. Oh, okay. That's yeah, a good start. No, yeah, it's ice cold. A little nutmeg on top or yeah. no? Okay. Yeah. And the viscosity was very thick. And I'm just like, oh, God, I'm about to just yep. drink pancake batter. Yes. <laughs> just what it, what it looked like and what it seemed like to me. And I just full send. I just took a big swig of it. And I was like, oh, my. This is delicious. You you thought it was delicious? Delicious, Pastor Kevin. I told you, dude. Delicious. I've it was like a liquid this. cinnamon roll. It was, yeah. it was holiday in a drink. It is hot. That's why I've been trying to tell you. That's why yeah. it's such a big deal. They start selling around Thanksgiving. And... Yep. And uh, it's it was very heavy. It's very I, heavy. You can't drink more than the glass that he gave right. me. I, I, would... I know I know a guy that just crushes that stuff all day. No, bro, you can't do that. <laughs> it's, it's probably a thousand calories a sip. <laughs> that thing was like what? Well, anyways, it was uh, it was very enjoyable. I would I would drink it again. I will drink it again. So for anyone listening that's never had eggnog because it sounds gross, it looks gross, you can say. Okay, yeah. And we should sign a petition saying, change the name. Do we know why it's the we word We don't egg know why. We don't so know. So there has to be eggs in the nog, right? No, that, I mean. Right? I mean, there has to be. Maybe back in 1912 when they invented it. This pictured Rocky drinking the. It should not be called eggnog. It should be called holiday drink. Holiday cheer. Because you cheers. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Uh, give us an update. You we uh, you have a, a book that you're writing, a kid's book. Yeah, it's written. Uh, found uh, the great illustrator that I talked about two episodes ago. Okay. Uh, last ep episode, I'd mentioned that my illustrator didn't get back to me. 
she still hasn't gotten back to me. <laughs> oh man. So I think it's time I get for me to find another illustrator. Yeah. Good thing we didn't pay her yet. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Like she lives across the pond though, so but what does that mean? No. <laughs> they still um, they still illustrate. They still I'm giving her live the benefit. Life. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Okay. And then last week you the, we were on the yeah. the hook for uh, a part in a short film. Yeah, I read it on a Tuesday. We had the podcast on Wednesday, and um, you're getting callbacks on Friday. I'm getting callback on Friday. And what happened? Never got a callback. Yeah. Wow. Oh for two. Dang. Oh for two. But did, did did they tell you why? No, they didn't even call. Well, did you follow up? Be like, hey, so can you just for my own? <laughs> I did not. Okay. No. Um, right, do you feel jaded? Here's why I feel good. My Philadelphia Eagles routed the New York Giants this weekend. And it's we're now 12 games into the season. And I finally am willing to say, yes, they are the best team in the NFL right now. Okay. But you're avoiding... <laughs> do you feel jaded that you didn't get the part? Are you upset? No, no, not okay, at all. So I was trying you're to cool. help. You're cool. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to get a callback. It would have been cool, like, yeah. working on a short film. But at least you got your eagles. Got the birds. My next-door neighbor, good guy. Uh, big Kansas City Chiefs fan. That dude can smoke some meat. Yes. We've he, had ribs from him. He gets very... And, and the way he does it is just, like, unbelievable. Just on a little char... Yeah. char what yeah. do you call that? The Weber. The Weber. Yep. That's all, that's all he does. And they're most amazing ribs. I cut you off. You said he's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Yeah, well, he's from Kansas City. Um, and I'm an Eagles fan. And there's, there's a there's a chance Tim and I are going to be rooting for our teams in the Super Bowl. Okay. I will light my entire house up green. Okay. Yes. Will you shake his hand at the end? Absolutely. If your Eagles lose? Absolutely. Yeah, because he's your neighbor. Well, yeah. But plus, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not a Cowboys fan, okay. you know? I'm not okay. a baby. <laughs> wow. All right. That's all I got. Do you have anything else? I don't have anything else. Hey, there is that one lunch spot that we need to go to next week. The Peruvian place. Yes, Apoyon. That's how you say it, Apoyon. Yeah, we're going there. They gave us hominy. Is that how you say it? Hominy. Hominy. Like, but you know, like, when you eat popcorn? Yeah. And you get those crunchy bits at the very bottom. It's like a very good version.